Blog Talk Radio. and around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers. Hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. And of course, welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, your unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate economy. And as we've been uh, suggesting, I would even so, go as far as to say uh, telling all of you guys, we are definitely at the very beginning stages of a 7- to 10-year real estate recovery. So listen in and learn what it's going to take for you to get the most out of this new real estate boom. So Julie is not going to be on today's radio show, and we have two very special co-hosts, I'd like to call them, Joel and Michelle McClintock. So Joel and Michelle, uh, Michelle welcome to the show. Well, well thanks, Tim. Very much appreciate it. <laughs> Great to be with you. Absolutely. So, guys, introduce uh, yourselves to our audience. Let them know where you sell real estate, how they can get a hold of you, and all that good stuff. Very happy to, thanks. Uh, we are in South Florida in the Palm Beach area. Uh, we have a small group called the McClintock Group with Keller Williams Realty, and uh, we've been doing it forever. You can reach us on our uh, website at uh, themcclintockgroup.com, or uh, if anybody has any questions or referrals, uh, you can always get me on my cell phone at 561-543-5635. Okay, perfect. So, you know, as I was reading the introduction, as I was saying the introduction, I was thinking about the fact that I was uh, letting everyone know that we're in the early stages of a new real estate boom, but the fact is, is that you guys never really had a slowdown. You're coming out of what was, what you know, was a fantastic seven-year cycle. So this this real estate boom where everyone's going to start seeing house uh, values increasing again, where you're going to see you know, essentially what feels like a, a real real estate recovery, you guys were still, you know, obviously you'll do great in this market, but you did really fantastic during the crash. So let folks know where you were seven years ago and essentially what you were able to create for yourself over the last seven years. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, appreciate it, Tim. And, and as you say, we've been... I guess you would you could say fortunate, but I think uh, I'd like to believe with some foresight, and, and very frankly, I owe a lot of that foresight uh, to you and your programs and your coaching. Uh, we connected with you guys way back when um, at, a, at a very optimum time for us because, like everybody, we were uh, at that brink of disaster where we had been in the business for a long time, uh, but literally in cruise mode until it all uh, hit the fan, so to speak, when things shifted back in the early to mid-2000s, as we all know. Um, the good news is uh, that we made the shift very dramatically, very quickly, managed to stay ahead of the curve, um, and, and as you implied, take advantage, uh, I suppose you could say, um, of the opportunities that came with that shift, that swing, the, the short tails, as we all know them uh, today. And so we very much uh, ramped up, learned the ropes, uh, ramped up, and, and were able to actually grow our business through a, uh, what, at a period, you know, as you implied, uh, where most people across the country uh, in the early stages of, of, the, of the downturn were in a pan- panic mode, so to speak, um, we were already very well positioned to take advantage of and help countless hundreds of people uh, from you know for the past several years 
Um, so that worked out very well. And then, you know, again, I, 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 my hat's off to you and much appreciation uh, for all of the insights that we, we've gained from you over the years because we have fortunately been able to literally stay ahead of as the world turns, if you will, with what's been going on. And, and as we all know, uh, it, at times it's felt like a roller coaster and, and it's been anybody's guess at some points where to from here. Um, but we were always ma- have managed to position ourselves to be in, in, a, in a place where we could continue to sustain, if not grow our business, and uh, and that includes today. You know, uh, well, we're going to talk about sorry? we're going to talk Go about lead generation and some other things because everyone's going to, you know, what do you guys do to generate leads? Because you guys do a lot of creative things. But I really want to underline how successful you guys have been over the last seven years. I mean, you you guys have always been successful. And everything you did, Michelle. Matter of fact, weren't you in Canada? You you were well. Both you guys were professional athletes, weren't you? Yeah, I competed internationally in gymnastics um, for Canada. And Joel, uh, I was competitive water skier forever and ever uh, as a kid, and uh, grew up through the ranks and skied on the Canadian water ski team for a bunch of years, and and uh, managed to peak in, in that. Uh, uh, endeavor way back in the 80s or won the world title. Yeah, well, that's pretty incredible. And Michelle, weren't you basically <laughs> teeing up to be part of the Canadian Olympic team, if I remember correctly? Uh, yes. I mean, I went to the the team trials for it and then comp- um, quit just before the, the end of the team trials. We had some coaching issues. Um, but... Uh, yeah, needless to say, I don't know where that would have gone to, but it would have been fun. One of my teammates did go on and compete and uh, still, you know, uh, announces for the Olympics and stuff. So, um, unfortunately, I don't know where it would have ended up, but it was fun along the way. So, the, th- the reason I bring that up is because you guys have a lifelong, really, history of being successfully coached. So, you guys are very coachable. So when I hear you guys giving us the compliments, and believe me, I appreciate it. We all do. But the reality of it was it wasn't just a function of you guys receiving this information from us. It was also you guys taking action on the information you received. And to really huge success. I mean, in the last seven years, I just focus on that because I think historically the last seven years will be seen as the downturn. And now, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016 will feel like, you know, the beginning stages of the the improving market. Really, I think in a few years from now, people see the real estate crash firmly in their rear views. But the reality of it is, is during the last seven years, you guys literally have sold hundreds of homes. Do you know how many houses you've closed in the past seven years? I, I don't know the actual number, but I, I know it's been uh, in, in the range between 60 and 100 each of those years. Uh, and, and what makes me really happy about all of that uh, is that we, in the process, uh, we've helped so many people with that whole short sale uh, situation. Um, so at a, at a time where things were difficult, we were in a place where we could help people. Yeah, well, that's pretty incredible. And I think that's really where your success comes from is the mindset of service. And that's one of the things, of course, you guys know that we really you know, try to impress upon everyone. That that's where your success starts, understanding that you're here to yeah, be of service sure. to folks. Yeah, but, you know, so we're talking about really over the last seven years, you guys have sold conservatively five, 600 houses. And during prior to the uh, real estate crash, uh, you were selling uh, obviously a lot of homes, but nowhere near the volume you were during the real estate crash. I assume, correct? That is true. That is true. Yeah. yeah. No, we we 
we we basically, as I think I said in my intro, we were kind of in cruise mode uh, for all the wrong reasons. But you know, absolutely, we grew uh, as a result of what what happened uh, back in the mid 2000s. So, I mean, looking back over the last seven years, this might seem like an odd question considering how successful you've been, but looking back at the seven years, is there anything you would have done differently? Uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say that we could have done a lot of things differently, but but just a matter of, of amping it up, if you will. Um, and again, it comes back to it's not that, that we're not happy and, and satisfied with what we've accomplished, uh, but we could have accomplished a lot more and helped a lot more people just by... by just ramping up and amping it up and and getting more people involved with our team and our group uh, center. Okay. Well, I respect that. So, Michelle, as as far as when you were uh, essentially the short sales is something you really focused on mastering, how long and how many short sale closings did it take for you really to feel like you were – I mean, you have how many pending right now? I'm just curious. How many short sales do you have pending right now? I've got about 69 in my pipeline right now, um, (laughs) and I've got about – seven or eight approvals ready for next month. Um, so I've probably done over not only our short sales, but I do them for a lot of other agents. Um, I've probably done somewhere between twelve and 1,300 total short sales um, since the inception. And I guess that came mainly because of you guys. I mean, we were coached by you guys, and, you know, you made me believe that, I could just push myself further and further and further and, uh, you know, just stepped out of my comfort zone and and now do a high volume of short sales still um, and in very high demand on a daily basis to take on more short sales, whether ours or other agents. So, so now that we're – how are you guys uh, – obviously the focus has always been on, you know, making the op- making the most of the opportunity in front of us and then focusing on where the puck is going to be. You know, you guys are Canadian. I know you love those Wayne Gretzky uh, <laughs> there you go. So, so where where is the puck next for you guys, and what are you doing to take advantage of that opportunity? Where do you see the puck going to be, and what are you doing to to grab hold of that opportunity? Remember, guys, these are these folks are in uh, um, clinics are in West Palm Beach, Florida, but they're obviously serving uh, a broad swath of Florida. So, in that area, where is the puck going to be? Yeah, interesting question, Tim, and and I'd like to think an interesting uh, answer in that um, we I am I am entirely convinced that we still have lots of opportunity. I don't think anybody would argue uh, in, in the distress arena, um, but clearly, as you talked about early in the program, um, there has not just been a shift, but a a definitive shift as to what the where the direction is. And what we can, what we should anticipate over the next several years. So it, it, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity uh, to transition rather than dive from one arena to another. Um, so we're, we are still very much focused in short sales, as Michelle implied with her comments in the conversation. Um, but at the same time, we're very, we're watching very closely what's going on in the market and what price points and what uh, what areas in, uh, within the market we should be strategically going after. So, you know, that being said, in our area in particular and South, and, and South Florida in general, what's been uh, kind of exciting for me of late is that our luxury market appears to be 
uh, dis- despite the fact that the entire market is moving forward and, and appreciating, our luxury market seems to be the area where we're seeing the most uh, uh, shift, the most dramatic shift. Um, so one of our objectives is to, to target that area uh, even more than we have in the past. So how are you doing it? Uh, well, we are actually just in the process of, of putting that pro- putting that together, uh, but a lot of it will uh, be initiated through networking and uh, uh, a national uh, referral, you know, base type uh, marketing. Uh, because we're we're fortunate to be in an area where there is a lot of uh, luxury product, um, and I just know that there's uh, a lot of people across the country and other parts of uh, Florida. Um, that are constantly moving in, moving down to our area. So we're, we're going to be reaching out that way initially. That makes sense. So what, right, generally, with your business in front of you, with all the different things you guys are doing to generate business, what are your three best, like if you could only choose three things to generate leads, what would they be? What are the three never-to-be-without lead generation systems you guys have in place? Well, the one that will never change is the age-old and maybe the most boring in the book, but it is what it is because we, we have we have forever, just as, as we talked briefly about a short while ago, first and foremost been of service. It's all about service because when you do when we when we as realtors do our job effectively, we can count on referral business for for a very long time afterward. And, and we're very fortunate um, that by staying in contact with our, our past clients and, and our centers and influence, the very basics of the game, uh, we get a, you know, a huge percentage of our business that comes back to us that way. So that one will never change. Um, it's just a given. And you know, I, I mentioned that uh, short sales are, are, are not over, so we will certainly continue to uh, reach out as far as distress opportunity or situations go uh, for opportunities and continued opportunities in that arena. And that's a real interesting uh, one in my book because, you know, there's so much, I call it noise in the media, um, but even within our industry, the real world, um, there's there's so much talk about where we are going uh, as far as the, the growth of, of the market and, and it's, it's come back and it's growing and all the rest of it. Uh, it's, it's created to me a, a, an even greater opportunity for those of us uh, who are inclined to stay, uh, keep a well, foot so, in the. So, in the Joel, let me drill down on what you're saying. Let me drill down on what you're saying because you're really making an excellent point. Um, and, and Michelle, I know you brought to the call some interesting statistics, and maybe this would be a good time for us to bring those in. Um, but you're saying that essentially agents are needing to be aware of what their actual market conditions are and not just rely solely on the media. Because here you guys are, and in in, if you read the papers, you'd think that basically your market was completely recovered and everyone's rolling around in equity. But the statistics in your particular market, we know, and Michelle is hopefully about to share those, we know that that's not the case. And guys, what I'm, you know, what you need to take away from what Joel is saying is that you need to know your own market. You know, you need to know what percent of your market's distressed. You need to know if that opportunity is where it is in terms of, you know, Florida, California, Nevada. I mean, people don't know this, but in Nevada, the number one state, Las Vegas, the number one city in the nation for um, appreciation, you know, it's also got the highest percent of underwater owners. So if you're in Las Vegas and you're not at least able to do short sales, you're missing literally the biggest percent of potential sellers. To this day, that's true. And guess what? It's going to be true for a long time. 
their market, it's the same way. So you guys got to know your market. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about our different coaching programs, um, and that's one of the things that, folks, you're able to learn with these coaching programs is basically how to analyze your individual market and really uh, be present to it. And don't trust that the media is going to tell you the truth. Don't trust that your even your office manager and your broker knows what the heck is going on. Guys, and, and Joel said this too. He said this very elegantly. You know, short sales were trendy. For, first of all, when we started you know, letting the nation know about short sales, this was back you know, seven, eight years ago, nobody knew what a short sale was. Then it went to short sales being trendy, and now as the herd is leaving the opportunity thinking that short sales are over, it leaves the strongest players like the McClintocks saying, hey, you guys go on down the road and start buying your buyer leads from whoever you're going to buy your buyer leads from, and we'll focus on the short sales because they have studied the market, and they realize what a tremendous opportunity is to help people make a ton of money. Michelle, do you have those stats for your area? Yeah, actually, uh, we really, there is some increased, um, you know, volumes and stuff, but statistically they're not really up in our area. Um, you know, inventory is actually down a little bit. Um, in March, the average sale price has gone up a little bit, like 6%, but not really dramatic. Um, closed sales are slightly up from last year. So, I mean, not enough for us to get out of, you know, the short sale arena, the fact that agents are leaving it like you're saying. Um, we love it. I love it when people say, well, you know, short sales are gone. No, they're not because I did statistics for eight, the beginning of April. And in April, um, on April 10th, there were 707 new filings in our area for you short mean, sales. She means, guys, she means... Well, short, you're talking about list pens, right, or notice of defaults, list right? List pendants, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and, well, actually, Michelle, the only proof that what you're saying is true is the fact that you've got almost 770 pending short sales. That's yep. really all that you have to know, to know. Again, guys, you might be in part of the country right now where short sales, you know, if you're in Austin, Texas, for example, well, your opportunity is going to be a new construction. You have to really, again, that's the point of hiring a coach to really identify where the opportunities are in your market. And oftentimes, they're the hidden opportunities that are the most profitable. You know, like short sales were a few years ago in different markets. The, you know, frankly, the, the puck is in different places. So, Joel, I want to really drill down on this. You said centers of influence and past clients were a great source of new business for you. What are the yep. other two things that, if you could only do those, maybe two other things, what would they be? Maybe things that you wouldn't have, uh, that people don't necessarily know about. Well, I mean, you know, I, I did mention we've already talked about list pendants and whatnot, but I'll, I won't leave that one alone for a very long time either. Um, and uh, yeah, another good point. Yeah, but <laughs> net, basic networking is is absolutely critical. Uh, Michelle literally brings us business every month just as as she's out and around talking with people. Um, you know, she's very much the social butterfly, me not so much, but networking uh, is always going to be critical and going to be, you know, an important element. Um, outside of that, I I would say that, and again, I'm trying to think of the things that we do that might be unique, but I'm not sure there's a lot unique. One of the things that I have to imagine uh, that most people are very familiar with or aware of by now, and if they're not, they ought to be, is uh, not just expired, not just recent expired, but old expired, and, and it kind of ties everything uh, back into the whole issue uh, that people came out of short sale 
situations and in different parts of the country, depending on how you know much upside down people were uh, and how much uh, appreciation they've seen since the turn, um, there may very well be people who were listed a few years ago, didn't get sold, uh, didn't want to sell, didn't ultimately get sold as a, as a short sale or no longer a short sale. Uh, or who were listed a couple of years ago, and uh, you know the market just wasn't alive, and they're they're in a, in a more or less confused at this point, as a lot of people are with with all the uh, media noise. I mean, old expires are a great opportunity. Well, and the other thing is, uh, there's a lot of loan mods that are basically starting to adjust, and Another the people good point. still have. Yeah, talk about that for a little bit, Michelle. Talk about loan mods and how they're adjusting, and basically at the end of the day, the negative equity is still on most of them, and they're just doing short sales. Correct. I mean, we're seeing a huge amount of people that did get loan modifications that have turned into, you know, adjustable rates already again. And, And, I mean, the people are again underwater or just can't afford to make the new payments. So, Inevitably, those loan mods are now short sales again, or people just feel that they are still underwater in the property. Even though they did get a loan modification and everything was put on the back end, um, they just it doesn't make sense for them. Loan mods are just, for the most part, a bandage for the situation. It's the, it's so. the extend and pretend that you still quite, it's a lot, but guys, here's the thing. The extending and pretending is coming to an end. And a lot of these people, as we were just saying, their loan mods are adjusting now, and they can't afford the adjusted payment. And by the way, for those of you who did not know this, I mean, I don't have the statistics on it, so I'm going to guess, 99% of all loan mods left the negative equity on the house. So these people are you know, having their payments go up at the same time. They're realizing, hey, guess what? I'm still underwater. And then those folks become short sales. So I wonder how many of you came across sellers you know, over the last few years, he said, I'm doing a loan mod. Well, those are now prospective sellers for you now. And also I heard Joel say, and this is such a gold mine. I think, by the way, Joel, I don't know if you thought about this, but all the agents who've been listing houses overpriced, you know, the expires that are going to start coming up over the next 6 to 12 months, is going to, they're going to be insane. If you guys aren't prospecting expired listings, and I don't care what market you're in on that for this, you are missing the boat. Even if you're in these super hot markets where everything's selling, do a little homework. You're going to discover that builders are breaking ground. You're going to discover that hundreds, in many cases, thousands of new listings are going to start hitting the market. I'm thinking of you, Texas. And what that happens is what, you know, the resale is going to have its butt kicked. Resale listings are going to start expiring. So, guys, definitely wake up to the opportunity that expires, uh, that expires are and will continue to be. So, Drilling down, your guys' team, talk about your team, who does what, how many people are on it, and all that good stuff. Well, we, we actually have not grown to be a large team. We, we've stayed you know, very much hunkered down, so to speak. Um, I, I still am primarily the listing agent. My son, J.D., uh, works with our, with our buyers. We have uh, a, uh, I won't call her virtual because she's still local, but she's not in, in the office. That does all our transaction coordination work and, and a significant amount of our, our marketing. Um, and then Michelle is basically the backbone administratively to kind of pull the, you know hold the reins and, and keep us going in the right direction. Um, we are it's interesting timing that we're having having this conversation because uh, we are actually in, in talks talking with uh, an agent who is has been doing a lot of work with a a you know a mega team. I mean 
they're doing hundreds of units a year, um, and he's a buyer agent there, and I'm you know in, in conversation about potentially bringing him into our our uh, group. But basically, we we keep it tight, um, and we try to work efficiently and, and solid. Uh, we are thinking because for all the reasons that we're talking about today, uh, we're looking at ramping up again. Um, you know, certainly as far as volume and productivity goes, and yes, that's going to require that, that we, you know, bring one or two more people into the group. Makes perfect sense. So what are the biggest misconceptions that folks have about you guys? I and mean, not maybe about you, maybe that's too personal, but about top producers in general. What are the biggest misconceptions? But let's just start out with that uh, other agents have about folks that have been as successful as you guys have. All work and no play. Because <laughs> uh, I'm anything but that. In fact, sometimes Michelle's got to crack the whip. Uh, no, but seriously, it, it, it's. It, I think there's some truth to that. I think that people are, are uh, sometimes even reluctant to try to ramp up because they're concerned about uh, that, that their life just becomes their work. And and in fact, the opposite happens if you if it's handled you know effectively, um, and you bring good people into your into your program. Michelle, I'm, I'm curious about your answer to that question too. I, I think the uh, key thing is is you've just got to make sure that um, you're working ef- efficiently and effectively on you know your day to day basis as far as what you're doing. And you guys probably put us into perspective on how to save, you know, what to be doing daily, and made us accountable. Um, and I actually function like that on a daily basis you know, where I, I I need to know what it's going to take to make how much money and how much volume and stuff we need to be doing on a daily, weekly basis, you know, so I can meet my goals, me personally, as to how many I want to close or my, what my volume of dollar amount I want to close. And, you know, I'm I'm very competitive and very disappointed at the end of the month, if I don't hit those numbers or exceed them, so would you say you guys are profit focused or production focused? Profit focused. Okay. So yeah. would you say the average top producer is profit focused or production focused? Production. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So, yeah. and I heard you yeah. guys say you're building. You, you know, Joel said it a few times, and I, you know, having coached you guys, I know this is true. Small, efficient, tight team focused on profit. So to be profit focused, Michelle. How do you go about shifting? Because you're obviously around a lot of top producing agents who are production focused, who want to just you know pound out the big numbers. But you guys stay focused on profit. What would be like the advice that you'd pass along to the listeners and how they can learn to basically focus on profit first? And so they too, because I, I'm not going to ask you guys, but I know you've saved a ton of money over the last few years. You know, I know you guys are well on your way to being wealthy. I know you guys are making investments that are going to produce passive income for you. I know all these things are true, and it kind of, honestly, it saddens me that so many other agents don't realize that the profit comes only when you make it come. It doesn't just happen over, you know, what fall. The mindset of I'll save what's left, you'll never save. Or the, the, the mindset that, well, when I have a really big closing, I'll save some money, you'll never save. You guys go about saving money off the top of every transaction. Is that one of your secrets? Yeah, absolutely. We um, and because of you guys actually coaching us, we actually have different bank accounts set up. You know, for vacations, income tax, um, savings, 
does all that stuff, but we, it's, you know, um, investments and stuff. So we actually, on every transaction, there, Joel splits it up as far as, you know, where that money is going to go to on every transaction. So, I mean, that's very, very, very important because and, and if the, not, at the end of the day and at the end of the year, you're really no further ahead if you don't do it like that. Yeah, and the key, and the key, Tim, is just, the key is exactly what you were just stating in that it has to happen first. If it's not off the top, it, everybody knows how fast money goes. And, and the sad part is the money goes places where it doesn't need to go uh, if, if, if it feels like there's lots of money there to throw around. So by putting the money away, now you've got what's left to work with. And it's, it's, quite, it's always amazing to me how little money you have to spend to, you know, in, in your business to move forward and, and even grow um, if you're being wise about where you're putting your money. So that's very that Joel. That's a really important point because a lot of people believe that they have to buy their leads, right? Then there's like it's happened sometime in the last five to seven years where there's this mindset that agents have to buy leads from Trulia, buy leads from Zillow, buy leads from Realtor.com, buy their leads. You know, so buying buyer leads when you have listings, listeners, please be very clear about this. You have five or six or even three listings. You're going to have to beat the buyers off the stick when you basically know how to market your listings. Buyer leads are the easiest thing in the world to get, and yet a lot of you guys are on this sort of never-ending hamster wheel of buying buyer leads, and you don't know how to get off to actually become listing agents. Well, I mean, Joel and Michelle, I mean, you're seeing this epidemic, this plague of buying buyer leads. When you guys take a listing and you and you put it for sale, can you kind of run down the gambit of the things you do? Because you guys do some very creative things to generate your own buyer leads. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know that it's all that creative. I would like to think that everybody goes through a process um, to market their their listings effectively. Uh, you know, if obviously, first and foremost, it's about the information that you actually put in, not just the MLS, but but the information that's going to then get put out to you know the countless affiliate websites that that ever you know so many buyers. Uh, 90 whatever percentage of, of buyers are looking at. So it's all about how you put that information in, what information is available, so that what people are are, are searching, they're going to find you and the story. So the description um, matters, right, Joel? The description absolutely. matters. The, yeah, the pictures yep. matter, right? But you guys do yep. do some creative things. You just don't give yourself credit for it. I mean, you guys do some <laughs> video marketing for your listings. You guys mm -hmm. do things like that. Go ahead, Michelle. I'm sorry. Yeah, we do. I was just going to, we use, um, we do video marketing. We also use social media. Um, so on our, our Facebook page, often when we have a property, a new property coming on the market, it gets teased on our Facebook. Um, you know, coming soon, let us know if you've got a buyer or, you know, you're interested in the property. Our the girl that works for us does all that. She loves social media, and she's all about, you know, Facebook and stuff. And we get a lot of leads coming from that and a lot of buyers because of our, our social media, you know. And it's very low-key. I've, yep. I've seen your guys' stuff on Facebook. It's very low-key. It's classy. It'll be pictures. Sometimes it's a link to a video. It's nothing really in your face. It's just basically, hey, you know, this is a cool property we just listed that's on the water, you know, that kind of thing, and that does get attention. So, so as we kind of come to the end of, of today's radio show, 
I, always, I have a few standard questions, but it's always interesting to me and how folks answer them. First of all, in the last, I don't know, five to seven years, you guys can go further if you'd like, but what's been your biggest challenge? What's been the really, as you look back upon your uh, success now, what do you remember as being the biggest challenge? You mean directly as it relates to, to the business and the growth of the business? Well, um, that or, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I, I guess the reason I, I, I question it is because the, the challenge to me has always been, but, but it's been a very, it's been a very positive challenge in the sense that it's caused us to continue to move forward rather than, than, uh, you know, just stay still and potentially drown like, you know, like the rest of it. And that is, um, the biggest challenge has been staying ahead of the curve. You know, from the onset of this call, we talked about, uh, you know, what it, what it has taken for us to, to sustain a position uh, throughout the downturn and the roller coaster and all the rest of it. Um, so that so the challenge was just staying ahead of it, and and you know to to deal with that challenge again, it, it comes right back to always being in learning mode, always being connected with with frankly you guys. Um, you know, uh, and I appreciate what you said. I like to think we're coachable, um, and making the changes as we go, and being willing to be open to change, um, and not just uh, to sit around and, and watch things go by, but actually, you know, act on it. So, thank you, Fat. And oh, what has coaching meant to you guys? We're really, obviously, there's a lot of folks getting. You know, actually, I don't know if you guys have noticed this in your market. Have you noticed a lot of people getting back in the business? Are you seeing that trend in West Palm? Oh, absolutely. Filters? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. We're Hugely. seeing a ton of that, Funny how that right? works, We're, right? Yeah. Well, sure. I, I keep on sure. getting emails from these, these people that Julie and I coached like 10, 11, 12 years ago, and they're like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm back in the business. I was working at so-and-so for the last five or seven years. I was riding out the bad market. Now that things are better, I'm back in the market again. I think that's yep. really funny. Yeah, funny how that works. That's a huge yep. trend. Yeah, it is, isn't it? For sure. So, for sure. But what has coaching meant to you guys? What is, what is it really, you know, as, as far as, like, what has it meant to you? How significant or insignificant, really? How, how would you answer that question? Uh, it, it, and I mean this genuinely. It means everything because with, without coaching, and, and, and you're, you're, we're obviously talking specifically about business coaching, but the fact is, as you mentioned before, we have a, an athletic background, and, and anybody who is listening who has an athletic background I think can relate to this. Coaches are what make athletes, just like coaches in business are what make good business people out of people who would otherwise potentially meander along and 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 still probably be very uh, effective, maybe even some level of success. Uh, but but through coaching, uh, there, there's constant guidance, um, there's constant uh, encouragement, there's constant motivation, there's constant accountability, um, so that when you do Establish goals and objectives. Uh, somebody's, you know, bringing it to your attention if, if you're slipping. Um, so it's 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 really to me what uh, getting there is all about. It's very difficult. Uh, I have found I found as an athlete and, and have found as as a businessman uh, and then certainly as a realtor to move forward just by having a goal. Uh, it's great to have some mentorship and, and somebody there uh, to you know, constantly be able to work with. Is coaching right for a new agent or a newish agent, Michelle? Absolutely. Um, They're going to, you know, a new agent doesn't necessarily, you know, know what direction to go, and and it'll keep them accountable. It'll keep them fresh. 
as to new ideas and stuff and guide them along. I think one of the best things you guys have is the treasure map and stuff. Um, and to get somebody on a treasure map and coaching and be able to guide a fresh person in the industry is key. I mean, it would be the best money, money that an agent could spend possibly. And if, you know, if, if you could do that right from the start, like, you know, when I was in gymnastics, I always had a coach. And I had a coach from day one. So there's no reason in business why every person should not have a coach from day one. Um, so, you know, if you, if you were a parent and you were going to take your kids somewhere and teach them, them, them gymnastics, you wouldn't do it. You'd send them to a coach. You should have a coach from day one also in business, I believe. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's, it shortens your path, right? I mean, if you're trying to accomplish absolutely. a goal, especially a goal that might be foreign to you, you know, in your guys' case being, you know, top producing agents at the time, you guys were successful, but, you know, you've become one of the nation's, I'm sure you guys are some of the top teams in the nation right now in terms of your production. And frankly, I don't know anybody that's as successful as you guys have been at doing short sales. I've never run across anyone that's uh, done that consistent volume of short sales. Sure, maybe someone's had a good year at short sales, but you guys have going on almost a decade at you know closing dozens of short sales. So, so you know what's what's next for you guys in your business? You're at this level. You're successful. You're you know you've accomplished a tremendous amount. You've completely and totally. And I hope everyone's listening is getting this. They have they pivoted their business back in you know, 06, 07, 08, to focus on the opportunity that was the biggest opportunity in their marketplace. And now they're still they're still uh, pivoting again, <sighs> looking me. for the new luxury market opportunity that I'm sure will come their way. But at the same time, they're realizing that there's still a lot of folks that need help and money to be made in the short sale arena and the distressed space. So so what's next for you guys? Next level of maybe production? Less now, personally, what's, when I ask that question, what are you guys excited about? Uh, a number of things, uh, because uh, as mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, this uh, this comes at a very timely moment. This conversation, in that that we have recently been talking about bringing an, another person on our team, which will free up a lot of uh, our time, my time, um, to start to get more specialized in different areas, um, without losing, uh, without missing opportunity. At, you know, as we grow from the fire perspective. Um, so uh, one of the things that I don't know that we've even talked about at all, uh, but I, we, I think I'd be remiss not to mention, is that I, I see tremendous opportunity, and obviously over the last five years there's been tremendous uh, opportunity with investors, um, but I still genuinely believe that that's, a, at least in our area, uh, a, a great opportunity to the point that I'm starting to see uh, investor groups and stuff come back in um, and, and people, different people have different, you know, opinion and, and th opinions and thoughts on that. But I was, I was pretty tight with an investor group during the ride uh, in the in the early 2000s through the boom, um, and it was it was a lucrative opportunity. Um, and I'm not suggesting that that's where we are at this moment in time, but I think it's another arena that that uh, certainly deserves some attention. Yeah, that's true. That's a really good point. And again, new construction. I mean, depending on your market. You know, that's really Absolutely. the first step that all of you guys need to do is identify where the opportunities are in your market. And it's going to take a really – you're going to have to be a pretty good bloodhound to see the direction um, where things are headed. And, you know, it's funny, guys. When I talk to top producers like you guys, 
what you guys say and how you guys think, and you you take it for granted, but it's so dramatically different than what the normal, you know, 99% of all the other agents think and do and and the rest of it. They don't see where the puck is going to be. You guys are already there, and I'm sure you'll continue to be. I'm sure you guys will be as successful as you choose to be. And, And listen, I sincerely appreciate the honor of having been your guys' coaches and your affiliation with Julie and I over the years. And, you know, I really thank you for today's uh, radio show and and, and participating day. Thank you very much. We love you guys, and keep up the good work. Very much appreciated, Jim. Great talking with you again, and uh, thanks for the opportunity, for sure. And Joel and Michelle, if they want to send you some referrals, how can they do it? Remind them. Uh, the McClintockGroup.com will always get you connected. Uh, if not, you're very welcome to give me a call directly at 561-543-5635. Love to hear from you. And, guys, coming up later this week is Steve Brown, the president of the National Association of Realtors, so make sure you tune in uh, to that radio show. And Joel and Michelle McClintock, thank you for your time today, and everyone else have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.